Ladies and gentlemen, I want to welcome you to It's Rainmaking Time. This is Kim Greenhouse. I'm really excited about our guest today. We had her on the show three years ago. Her name is Pam Grout, and she is the author of a book called Jump Start Your Metabolism, this incredible book about how to breathe and how breathing can change your life and how you can lose weight, lose fat from learning how to breathe properly. She is a travel author and writer. She's traveled the world. She has a fantastic sense of humor. She can be found at pamgrout.com, at jumpstartyourmetabolismnow.com, and georgeclooneysleptthere.com. One of the things I love about her is she really has a way of writing that has levity and yet that has wisdom and knowledge so that the way the wisdom and knowledge is delivered to you is light. It's pleasurable. She really has a great gift. And as a travel author and writer, she has a new book coming out called E Squared, Nine Do-It-Yourself Energy Experiments That Prove Your Thoughts Create Your Reality. Now, I have to tell you that I've been fascinated with this subject for over 25 years. It's the basis upon which I founded the Rainmaking Company, and it's rainmaking time. So anything that has to do with manifestation is of interest to me. And I've read many, many authors that have published even 30, 40, 50 years ago. And I have to tell you that when this book comes out, you got to pick it up. Because if Pam Grout writes in this book the way she's written her other 15-plus books, you will have a great time. When The Secret came out, so many people got excited about it and really got into the whole area of manifestation. And thank God for The Secret because a lot of The Secret woke people up to this area. It kind of pointed an arrow at this area. However, once people read The Secret, a lot of people couldn't produce what appeared to be so simple and easy and obvious that was written about in The Secret. I want to give a warm welcome to Pam Grout as she introduces us to her new book, which will be out in January of 2013. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Pam Grout back to its rainmaking time. Good morning. Hey, thanks. What a wonderful introduction. I feel like I'm blushing here. (laughs) I really, really love your work. And I have to tell you that I love the kind of life that you lead. You do the things you love to do and you don't let money or anything get in the way. And I love that about you. So I'm so excited to have you back on the show. And I can't believe three years have gone by. I can't believe it either. Where have you been? It seems like it was a year ago, maybe, (laughs) at the most. Where have you been? Oh, gosh, all over the place. I've been traveling. My daughter just went off to college. So, you know, I'm kind of footloose and fancy free. So in the last year, I've been traveling quite a bit. I spent quite a bit of time in South Africa, which I absolutely adore. Did safari, saw the big five. I mean, it was absolutely fantastic. Met the Rain Queen, which was really wonderful. The Rain Queen? Talk about the Rain Queen. Well, there is a tribe in South Africa, and for hundreds and hundreds of years, they've been worshiping this rain queen, and they really believe that the rain queen, you know, they do this big ceremony for her every year, and it's kind of this lineage, it's a matriarchal lineage, and it was really fascinating, you know, we kind of poo-pooed it, you know, I was with five Western journalists, and we're kind of (laughs) like, yeah, you know, that was kind of cool. But that night, I mean, we had such a big rainstorm after we visited the Rain Queen that literally all the electricity went out in our hotel. It was actually kind of scary because here we are in this little village and there's no electricity. (laughs) But anyway, that Rain Queen knows what she's doing. So anyway, that was kind of fun. But it was really an amazing experience. And I've been to Ecuador and, you know, taught school up in this little village up – in, in the Andes where nobody spoke English. And so I've been on some pretty interesting adventures over the last, since we last spoke anyway. Wow. Now you're a travel writer. Are all these trips paid for by the publications you write for? Um, it, it works a lot of different ways. You know, as a travel writer, I get invited on a lot of trips. Yes. Um, so sometimes I'm hosted by a destination. Other times the magazine will pay for it. So it works all different ways. Sometimes I go on mail, like the trip, um, you know, up in up in Ecuador, I was actually teaching school. My daughter and I went up there, and we taught school for. We were there most of the summer, and that one we did pay for, which seems ironic. You know, we're working, we're teaching school, and then we're paying for it. But it was a volunteer vacation, and I don't know if, if you've looked at my whole list of books, but one of my books by National Geographic is a book on volunteer vacations, and so that was a you know one of the one of the organizations that I'd written about in that book. That's great, and I noticed you have this book, Planet Goodwill, three hundred and sixty five 
ways to share the love. I love that. It's not that. a book. It's actually an iPhone app. And it's fabulous. I call it Random Acts of Kindness for the digital set. And there's literally every day you, you download the app and every day there's a act of goodwill you can do. I mean, it's all kinds of cute things. I mean, everything from, you know, playing um, free rice one day to leaving a cupcake for your postman to just an act of goodwill that you can do. Sometimes it just requires a click of the mouse, you know, and you've done something good. And then other times there's a little bit more effort, like passing out hugs or whatever. But anyway, every day, 365 days a year, there is an action. It's got beautiful, beautiful pictures. It's really a great little app. I think it's also available on the Android. It's called, yeah, Planet Goodwill, 364 Ways to Share the Love. And it's really a lot of fun. I mean, it's a great little iPhone app. How fantastic. I love it. I think you call it Planet of the Apps. Oh, yeah. I kind of made a joke about that, Planet of the Apps. I put both. I have two apps. The other one's a scavenger hunt of Nashville where you go around and get your picture taken at, I think it's 40, 50 different spots. It's been a while since I wrote it. But anyway, the first person to get it, and we've actually given away the first prize, but then each time we start over and the first person to get a picture of themselves, you know, iPhone, everybody's got their little camera right there. They can take a picture of themselves in these different destinations. And then the first one gets, you know, it's like an all access pass to Nashville. It's worth like, I don't know, more than a thousand dollars if you use all the things that gets with it. But we've given one away and uh, we're, we're kind of working on our second one. If anybody, you know, is going to Nashville and wants to enter the scavenger hunt. My God. You're a wild woman. You really are. You're like dashing around the earth, creating all these little eggs, aren't you? Well, I am. I am. As we were talking before, I mean, some people would suggest I pick something to specialize in. But, you know, when you're interested in everything, it's kind of hard to do that. I mean, you're the same way. Yeah, that's true. That's actually true. And you know who else I think would agree with us? Barbara Sher. Yeah, I, I think I'm familiar with her. She probably would. She wrote the book Wishcraft, and she really yeah. coaches people around the world about being creative and not having to settle and not having to be forced to focus on only one thing because there's different kinds of people that need different kinds of things to lead happy and healthy lives, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. Yep. We're all a little bit different. <laughs> I think she would definitely agree. I wanted to ask you about what motivated you to write the new book, E Squared. Well, like you, I have been fascinated with manifesting for a long time. I mean, long before The Secret came out. And honestly, I would say, I mean, here I am from Kansas, you know, not exactly the mecca of publishing. And, you know, I've been able to use these principles to publish, you know, like I said, this is my 16th book. I've been able to write these iPhone apps. I've been able to travel all around the world. And so I have used these principles, you know, when The Secret came out, it was like, oh, wow, I'm... I was kind of surprised everybody didn't know this secret, but I mean, I think a lot of people did, but I certainly did. And I'd been using these principles for a long time. And I decided, you know, this is something that I can share with people because I've demonstrated in my own life. And hey, you know, if, if something works for one person, let's, you know, let's share the, share the good, so to speak. Do you find that in the publishing world, there seems to be a huge competition actually amongst many of the authors to kind of have the lockdown on the subject? And one of the things I really enjoy is to have the subject continue to be open. And I love the fact that you're doing an intention experiment with it, your research experiment. Talk a little bit about that. Well, what the experiments are, and in the book, there are nine experiments. And I tell people real specifically how to do these nine experiments. And I think what happens, you know, we hear these big, grandiose ideas and we get so excited about them. And certainly they're great ideas. But we fail to really investigate the specific ways to do it or people, you know, start out with this big thing. So what my nine experiments are in the book are real specific. I mean, you cannot not do them. I mean, all you have to do is follow the instructions. It's really simple. And then you'll get actual proof. This either works or it doesn't work, you know. So uh, one of the things I like to say is we need to start small. You know, everybody's into, oh, let's manifest all this million dollars or money or the trip to whatever. But And those are great, and you can certainly do that. I mean, there's gurus in India who I've seen pluck jewels from the air. I mean, you know, literally, there's, I mean, the things that are possible are absolutely amazing. But because we have so much baggage and we, we don't really believe all this and we live in this real material world, you know, where we think what we see is, you know, the absolute final reality, which is so not true, but that's what we believe. It's good to start small. And so with these experiments in the book, 
They're literally 48-hour experiments. There's a couple that last more than that, but most of them take 48 hours to do. I give people specific instructions on how to do them. And then you try them. And as you learn to do these things, you build muscle, and then it gets easier and easier to do the, you know, the bigger things that, that sometimes people have trouble with. Or they say, hey, it doesn't work for me. Well, it's because you're, you, you know, you, you've got too much of the other, other energy going on, you know, the energy that says, oh, I can't do it. So... Don't you think also that when we're talking about manifesting and when people talk about manifesting and think about it, that there's this tremendous seduction to have to manifest the big things instead of what you're suggesting, which is to start with what's doable in the now? Well, actually, I think everything is doable. But I think that what happens is when you start with some big giant thing, every single negative thought or the thought that you know, or the way it is now starts coming up and hitting you in the face. It says, hey, wait, I'm not ready to change. So, you know, your ego doesn't want you to change. So all the other stuff will come up and then you get all the energy. You've got these, it's like, as I think I say in the book, it's like a beginning band of junior high trumpet players. You know, you've got yeah. every kind of energy going that there is. So with the small things, you don't, you know, the, the other energy doesn't put up its deuce and start fighting. It's like, oh, you want to manifest a, you know, free cup of coffee? Well, that's, that's believable. I mean, you can believe that you could do that. So that'll happen a lot easier because you don't have the, the other energy pulling the opposite direction. The secret was so successful, not to keep mentioning the secret, but it was. It was so successful. It was so touted. It became so popular. And then the whole movement into manifestation and focus on it. Why do you think it is that there was so much excitement and yet disappointment? Well, again, I think people hear about it. Um maybe give up too fast. You know, they try something really big. They don't build their muscle. It's like if you're learning to play golf, you don't go out and suddenly, you know, golf 18 holes and get, you know, holes in one every time. You have to practice. You have to start with baby steps. And I think what happened is this amazing thing happens. And I love it that people get really excited about it. What I hope to, you know, help with this book is that people don't give up, that they realize that, you know, it takes a while sometimes or, you know, there's muscle to be developed. And so that's what, you know, I encourage people to do is to take it slowly and, and you know, do it piece by piece. And when you get it down, once you develop your confidence, once you know that this stuff works and you know it beyond a shadow of a doubt, I mean, you really can do anything. Yes. But I think because the old conditioning, we all have this old conditioning that says, oh, that's impossible, or, you know, we only believe, we have these, we're in these little boxes, you know, we have these limits that we think this is the way it is, and to suddenly introduce this whole new concept to our brain that's used to going in one direction, sometimes there's a little bit of backlash, you know what I mean? It comes back to get you, so by starting small, you know, you develop your confidence, and then you get bigger and bigger and bigger, you, you know, take it one piece at a time and develop, you know, develop the, the abilities, and then you get better at it. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. No matter what the state of the economy is, there will always be time-honored traditions and special events. The Sterling Hut has been in business since 2008, offering a wide range of fantastic sterling silver products, including finely crafted mint julep cups, personalized baby shower gifts, photo albums, exquisite jewelry boxes and awards, and so much more. The Sterling Hut is an authorized Silver Star international reseller of fine silver products and anniversary gifts. The business is owned by Jewel and Bob Howard. If you would be interested in buying someone a gift of pure sterling silver or sterling plated silver, you can call 1-888-819-1009. Get a 15% discount by going to the Sterling Hut, the Sterling, S-T-E-R-L-I-N-G, Hut, H-U-T, dot com, and saying it's rainmaking time. They will honor a 15% discount for you. Beautiful sterling silver gifts for all of life's occasions, manufactured in Italy and handcrafted by skilled artisans. They can also be engraved in sterling picture frames, oval and rectangular silver trays, champagne ice buckets, silver goblets, coffee and tea service, coffee pots, silver mugs, candelabras, and silver jewelry unrivaled in design and style. Go to the Sterling Hut at sterlinghut.com. And back to the show. 
I have a question about the subconscious and your take on the role of the subconscious to potentiate pulling us back into conditions that we know and not into conditions that we don't know, which may be greater yield, greater success, easier timeline in terms of manifesting, less obstacles, et cetera. What do you think? Well, like I guess you could call it blowback, and, and I think that is what happens, and that is why people get discouraged. Um, whether it's the subconscious, I mean, you know, there's so much different terminology. Some people do call it the subconscious. You know, like the subconscious just follows the, the marching orders that we put into it, and a lot of that's below the surface. Right. But I think as much as anything, it is just our conditioning of what we believe is possible. I mean, most of us, you know, look at a physical world, you know, we see a chair and we believe that that chair is, you know, the Solid. end of all. You know what I mean? That is physical reality. When actuality, it's so much bigger than what we can see. And as we open our eyes to more possibilities, and I think that's what we're trying to do is to let go of what we think we know. Because, I mean, it, we love the familiar. I mean, you know, it's, it's nice to have the familiar, but so much more is possible. And I think um, we have to be willing to let go of what we think we know. You know, we want to be right. We want to, you know, we want to have a handle on everything. Well, that's great, but there is so much more possible, and, but we do have to let go of conditioning, of what we think is reality. I mean, we just have to think bigger. I have an interesting analogy for you about oh, this. Oh, let's hear it. I had a gentleman named Jack Cruz on the show about three months ago, and he's a neurosurgeon that began to learn about cold thermogenesis, about immersing the body in cold. The Navy SEALs used it and trained with it, that the astronauts were immersed in cold, that the Sherpas are immersed in cold, that the calories in, calories out model of understanding metabolism is antiquated and dead. That accounting model does not work. It doesn't make sense. And it doesn't account for why so many people are lean and so many people are fat. To make a long story short, they found out, and NASA has known this for 35 years, that the hypothalamus is very temperature sensitive and that there's ancient switches in the brain that are related to the cold. And that if we immerse ourselves in cold water or really, really cold air for a certain amount of time daily, that it flips the switch in the hypothalamus and fat starts to burn like crazy. It's called BAT, B-A-T, brown adipose tissue. Roy Kronos, who also has a TED presentation, shared how I think it was in six or seven weeks he lost 35 pounds of body fat just being in cold air for 45 minutes to an hour a day. Wow, that's fascinating. Then, then yeah. Jack Cruz lost almost 150 pounds. He's a neurosurgeon that was totally obese. He went swimming in cold water in his pool for 45 minutes, and it was like a certain degree temperature. He now created a protocol so that the water that you immerse yourself in is between 50 and 55 degrees. You have a thermometer. You measure it the whole bit. But here's the paradigm about belief, and this is what I'm sharing with you. The belief is so strong about the model of calories in, calories out, that for warm-blooded people, the whole model of everything we know about fat, other than what you wrote about breathing, okay, I'm going to make a separate thing here, because what you wrote about breathing is outside of what people know, okay? It's right. ancient, but nine out of 10 people still don't know it. Jumpstart, your metabolism should be read and in schools everywhere around the world, it's period. Good. But it's not part of the belief that breathing has anything to do with metabolism. It's just not there. Similarly, when you're warm adapted, there's an entire belief structure and ideology and solutions and knowledge that all circle in that paradigm. That means warm adapted humans are regurgitating something back and forth. But the one thing we haven't looked at was temperature. Everything changes. It's a game changer. So what we believe is so as warm adapted people that are not cold adapting does not apply. It doesn't answer why polar bears hibernate and they shed all this body fat. Are they exercising? Are they eating? What's happening? They're in the cold. Fascinating. That doesn't surprise me. I mean, there's so much that we believe is true. Yeah, and you know, as long as we believe it, we've set that in concrete. I mean, Truly, our minds are so amazing and our energy is so amazing. We can make anything true and actually anything. But the world that we see is what we have believed so far. But it's literally 1% of what is possible. So when you tell me something like that, I love to hear it because I want to expand. And I think 
um, you know, everyone should want to expand and to open their mind and to quit thinking you know the way it is. I mean, you know, the thing about oxygen and, and, and losing weight. I mean, oh what my happens, God. I mean, there's no way people can market that. So, of course, nobody's going to tell you about it. I mean, what we get marketed, we get marketed all this stuff like, oh, this is the way it works because people want to sell us something. So they'll continue in those little tiny ruts, you know, because that's something they can sell us. You know, the diet pills, the you know, the exercise program, the fat burner, whatever it might be, that works because that, that somebody can make a lot of money off it because we live in a capitalistic society. So as long as money, you know, as long as that's, you know, kind of the end-all, be-all, then we're going to just get a limited thing that somebody can sell to us when there are so many other amazing possibilities. And so I love opening my mind to that, and I'm so glad you told me that. And um, But your book on breathing, to me, is as serious and as important as what I'm sharing with you about cold thermogenesis. Because, it totally is, yeah. Because it's completely outside the belief and the focusing that's going on in the marketplace. The marketplace has us locked in to these things that supposedly we have to do. I mean, there was another guy I think you'd be interested in named Phil Campbell who came up with a protocol called a Sprint 8. I may be getting this part wrong, but it's like four minutes a week of exercise. And you can raise your growth hormone 500 plus percent. And it's a certain type of interval training. You know, you warm up, obviously, but you go 30 seconds all out and then a minute where you're winding down and then 30 seconds all out. And then will you do this four times, three times a week? That's it. It is so off the track of the belief structure about fitness. How do you raise your growth hormone over 500%? It would seem impossible. And the number of minutes to exercise how many books have been written that tell us you have to do this, you have to do that for an hour in weight training, you have to run certain amount. I mean, I've been walking five days a week for years and yeah, it's great for circulation, but it has nothing to do with weight. It doesn't necessarily keep weight off. If you're walking hours every day, maybe it does. But I think the exciting thing about you, Pam, is that you stay open and you're excited to continue to learn. And that is so key to me. Uh-huh. Your oxygen book and this thing on cold thermogenesis, it's an example of why your book is so important and learning new things and starting small. Talk a little bit more about the starting small part. Can you share something with us from the book? I realize it's not out till January, but. Uh, yeah, well, basically, you know, like I said, it has these nine experiments and there's even a work, a lab sheet, you know, with each experiment where people, you know, they note the time that they start the experiment, they do the experiment, and then they test to see whether it works or not. One of the things I thought we might do with some of your listeners is, you know, try to manifest a couple of things and, you know, start really small with things. And, you know, I'd love to hear back from your listeners and, you know, see if, if they're able to manifest these things. Again, I've got this little list of five things, and I'd love to hear back from people, um, you know, what they were able to manifest simply by looking for it. And then once they realize, wow, this works, you know, because once you start looking for something, you will find it. I mean, that's just the way it is. If you Once you start focusing your attention on something, it doesn't matter what it is. If you want to focus your attention on what is what we already have, you can do that. <laughs> you know, that's not a problem, but you'll continue to have what we already have. Or you can focus your attention on, you know, bigger things on, you know, thermogenesis. I mean, you know what I mean? There's just so many other possibilities. So why limit yourself to what we already have? We can go much bigger and there is so much more. So, but basically to go back to my book, it, um, you know, I've got these five things and I'd love to ask your, your listeners if they would um, try for the next week to see if they can manifest these five simple things. And I'd love to hear from them of what they, you know, what they found out. But on the five, you want me to go ahead and... Please go ahead. Otherwise, it's going to be so mysterious. Our, our okay. listeners may be banging on the computer. Yeah, no, these are it's just really, really simple things. But in a week's time, this is what I'd like your your viewers to try to manifest. And again, in the book, it's a whole different kind of thing. But this is just something to kind of create some data for, you know, when I start talking about the book, when it actually comes out. But in the next week, I would like your viewers to see if they can, A, manifest a blue feather. Just just say, hey, I'm open. I, in, I make the intention. There's three simple steps. You make the intention, you set a deadline, and then you be open. I mean, that's all it takes. So, okay, our deadline would be one week from today. And I don't know, I'm sure all your listeners are listening at different times. But one week from today, whatever it is, note that time, write it down. And then these are the five things that I would like you to find. I would like you to manifest. Start with a blue feather. Second thing, 
a free cup of coffee or a free hot drink of your choice. You know, someone will offer you that. You don't. You just make that intention. You make that intention. Within a week, I would like to be offered a free cup of coffee. Uh, the third intention is, um, let's see, what was the third one that I came up with that was, again, really simple. Um, to hear from someone in your past that you have not heard from for, for a long time. You know, someone that you know, maybe a childhood friend. I, I don't know what it is. Just be open to the idea that someone from, you know, your past will contact you. So that would be well, that would be one of the um, intentions. Let's see. Um, oh, and then one that something unexpected will arrive in your mailbox or your inbox. So something you're not expecting, you just have to be open to it. Well, wait. Now, what about the unexpected thing? Is that a good thing? What are we... Well, like- you know, it could be some... I mean, yeah, it'd be something definitely good. <laughs> I just want to make sure because I get a lot of unexpected email. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Something really... Something interesting and unexpected to land in your mailbox or your inbox. I mean, something you really are not expecting. Something that will surprise you. Okay, And then great. the final thing, and this is something, you know, kind of I think manifestors tend to start with anyway, an upfront parking spot. So those are the five things, you know, if you're going somewhere, maybe you're going to the theater, whatever it might be, and then you just manifest an upfront parking spot, the blue feather, the cup of coffee, hearing from a friend from your past, an acquaintance, somebody from your past, and then having something interesting and unexpected land in your mailbox or your inbox. Now, what about this blue feather? Are you serious? Yes, blue feather. I mean, I know. How are you going to find a blue feather? But it's amazing. It happens. I mean, people write to me. They found it on a cup. You know, they were at a birthday party, a kid's birthday party in the the cup they, you know, were passed out, maybe had a blue feather on. I mean, all kinds of stories happen. Basically, what you're doing is you're opening up and saying, you know, anything's possible. I'm willing to look. Well, is about a week. You've got seven days to do it. You say, I'm going to look and me, see what I find. Now, everything else you mentioned, but the blue feather, I want to say, seems totally within the realm of doability. But what I like about the blue feather is that this gets into the magical realm of manifesting. This invites a kind of supernatural connection or something like that. Am I wrong? Or is, well, yeah, is there something? I mean, in fact, it seems like, wasn't there a feather in Forrest Gump? It seems like there was a <laughs> feather that came down, or maybe it was a leaf or something. But you know what I mean? Um, it is sort of a magical thing. I mean, all of it. I mean, you can look at it as magic. You can look at it as this is the way the world really is. You know, it all depends on your perspective. I mean, I love magic, so I love to think of it as magical. I also love to think of it as this is, this is really reality. You know, what we believe this hard, cold world is you know, one way of looking at reality, but I like, you know, looking at magic as reality. I mean, to me, that is reality. Sure. Well, you live in that world. Right, right. You're the only person I know that takes a magic carpet to South Africa. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) And meets the queen of rain. The rain queen. The rain queen. I mean, come on. Oh, I know. I mean, who would think? I mean, who knew there was still a rain queen? I mean, who even knew that? But it was great. It was fantastic. And, you know, when I was in Fiji, I met the president of Fiji. I mean, you know, who who thought, who would think I, you know, a girl from Kansas is going to meet the president of Fiji. So, how you know, was that? Bunch of amazing things Speaking happened. of which, how was that for you? Oh, it was wonderful. You know, head of state. I mean, uh, you know, again, I'm a kid from Kansas and I meet the head of state of Fiji. You know, it's pretty cool. South Pacific nation. People from Fiji are amazing. I love them. They're very so sweet and I, kind, aren't they? They really are. They, they're just amazing. Does that mean you want to have your own island like Richard Branson? Oh, you know, I wouldn't mind having my own island, I suppose, but I'm pretty happy here. Now, have you run into Toto or anybody in Kansas, Emerald City, any type of interesting? (laughs) Ruby Red Slippers constantly we're running into. You know, that's like a big thing in Kansas. But, you know, if you, you know, say, let's say I'm going to manifest Toto. Um, what What I end up manifesting all the time is people asking me about Toto. You know, when you're from Kansas, you meet people, everybody knows Toto, everybody knows about Dorothy and Wizard of Oz. The other thing I hear a lot is Dodge City, you know, that Matt Dillon and Dodge City. Yeah. So when I travel, it's amazing. People, I mean, we are so connected in this world. You know, everybody knows, believe it or not, about Kansas. So, But Wizard of Oz does, does come up a lot, yeah. You've traveled so much. Do you have some favorite places? Oh, wow. Um, what I always say is wherever I just last was, you know, so I guess my last trip was Quebec City. So right now my favorite place is Quebec City. In Canada? 
in Canada. It's absolutely beautiful. One of the things I love about it, you can go out there and see a free Cirque du Soleil show. Um, they've got all these street performers on the street. And in the, I mean, it's fun in the winter because they've got that big ice carnival. The winter carnival is famous. I mean, people come from all over. But in the summer, it's so gorgeous. It's right on the St. Lawrence Seaway, and there's water everywhere. I mean, it's just a beautiful city. It's this old historic city. It's one of the oldest cities in North America, so it's all these cobblestone streets and these old buildings. I mean, I went there for the... Um, the New France Festival, because, you know, they, they, they were founded like 400 years ago. Quebec City is 408 years old or something like that. And so anyway, we, I went up for that festival, and we got to dress in the old, you know, the old French costumes, and it was really a lot of fun. Uh, Madame, parlez-vous français? Uh, no. No? <laughs> I don't speak French, no. Oh, Madame. Luckily, we had, do you speak French? <laughs> un peu, un peu. I speak a little bit. Sometimes I've even answered my phone in French, and people think that I have somebody French working for me. <laughs> That's fun. <laughs> Languages do... <laughs> so far have not been my forte, but I do want to learn Spanish. That's kind of my goal. That's the one I'm working on right now. Un poquito. Unos, dos, tres, cuatro, cinco, seis, seis, siete. Oh, Taco well. burrito, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Talk a little bit about why you wrote this book. Was it a business interest? You wanted to publish something? Were you trying to solve a problem of manifesting yourself? Well, I believe that knowing about these energy principles, it is the rock star. It is the rock star that can totally change your life. It can catapult us to a whole different life. So I think it's an important tool. I mean, I think every kid should learn it in school. They need to know how important their thoughts are, their energy, and how they direct it is. People need to know this. Every kid needs to learn this in school. And this is the rock star of our life. I mean, we can change the world. Of course, you know, I want to change the world. And as long as we focus on what is now, we're going to have the same world we have now. I mean, we really need to believe and to know that by simply changing our focus, by simply looking for different things, we can have a, a personal different experience, but we can also have a whole different world. So, I mean, I suppose, yeah, I want to sell the book. I mean, there's certainly that motivation, but I really want people to know this very important cornerstone of what we see is what we expect to see. And again, as long as you expect to see what you already know, that's what you're going to see. But oh my gosh, there's so much more possible. <laughs> I just want people to know that. Are you familiar with Lynn McTaggart? Yeah, yeah, I've read some of her stuff. What do you think of the intention experiment? You know, I haven't followed her results. You know, I really should look and see what kind of results she's been having. Have you have you interviewed her? I haven't, but I think it would be very good to see what's happening with the intention experiment. She has worked with a lot of big-name scientists. So I read her book, The Field, and I have seen her in a couple movies here and there. But yeah, I, I need to kind of find out because I know she did do that intention experiment and I'd like to find out what kind of things she ended up finding out with her intentions. I, I think, think she had real specific things she had people doing too, as I remember. I'll have to check that right, out. Right, like masses of people. Yeah. All yeah. over the world. Would be very interesting. Now, how do you want people to get back to you about these five things that we're going oh, to Oh, well, do? you know, they can check out my website, you know, pamgrad.com, and there's a contact thing. And so just hit the contact button and let me know what they saw by simply bringing this to your awareness and making that intention. Again, I'd like them to try seven days because I think deadlines are real important. I think that's another thing that happens is we say, oh, I want to manifest this. But then we're like, because once you set a deadline, you know to start looking for that. You know you have a time frame. So then you know, it, it makes you pay attention. So that's basically why I believe in setting deadlines. So I'm saying like, and I don't know, I'm sure people are going to be listening to this at all different times. They probably download it from iTunes and, you know, so I could be hearing from people, you know, for the next 20 years about this, but I love it because I, I just want to hear from people. So just have them contact me on, on my website. Just go to the contact page and let me know which of these five things they were able to, you know, manifest. I really would love to hear from them. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Imagine the people that are already listening to its rainmaking time, who already enjoy the show and trust that what is being communicated on the show is already of value. And now imagine that I introduce your product, your service, your business, yourself, or a project that you're involved in. And I have the ability, because it's my show, to take the time I want to introduce it and do it in a way that properly contextualizes it, introduces it metaphorically in the right way, and doesn't manipulate the public when doing so, but engages them. 
You have an opportunity to put your works out in front of the public in all these different types of segments and to do so strategically so that they're planted like seeds in a garden. The one thing about broadcasting online is that these shows play over and over and over. So it's not like buying advertising for a traditional radio station where it's played once, you only get 30 seconds, maybe a minute, and you're paying a fortune for it. These things run over and over and over. I want you to consider that, and I'd like you to consider calling us at the Rainmaking Company at 626-398-8652 or sending us an email at timing at rainmaking.com. The Rainmaking Company is in the business of manifestation, and it was set up 20 years ago to assist people in manifesting their projects, products, services, and businesses. We are a whole systems approach to doing business, and one of the things we offer along with its rainmaking time is the ability to package and market you and that which is important to you. Call us at the Rainmaking Company, 626-398-8652. Thank you, and back to the show. How is this work going with your daughter? Has she read this book yet? Have you been teaching her the principles? Um, as she's growing up, I mean, this is what I always said. Do not think about or say anything you don't want to be true. You know what I mean? And she is fabulous. I mean, she is not a drama queen. You know how a lot of teenagers get into the whole drama. She, she knows this stuff. I think she was kind of born knowing this stuff, to be honest. I think a lot of kids are pretty smart coming in. In fact, some ways I would say she's taught me more than I've taught her. But, um, but yeah, she's really good at, um, you know, she's going to this amazing college. She's, you know, doing amazing things, and and she's you know traveled all over the world. She's manifested all this money. I mean, she's she's pretty pretty amazing kid. Sounds like she's got it. She does. She does. In fact, like I said, I, I'm more her student than than me um, teaching her a lot of stuff. How interesting. How yeah. unusual. I want to talk to you about something that is very obvious to the listeners and to people across the world: the economy. And I want to talk to you about something that I notice as an observation, and I'd like you to respond to it, what your take is in the manifestation area. I read all the time, and I see in online periodicals and journals and on television and on radio, no matter what you do, there is almost like a declaration about how bad the economy is and how everything is going to hell, if you know what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. And the thing that bothers me is that there's such projection and announcement and pronouncements of how bad it is and how it's all going bust that when you get a critical mass of people saying it, believing it, thinking it, and repeating it, for a rainmaker, I don't live in that world. I understand that there are conditions that are dangerous for people. And I understand that there are dangerous type of conditions that we have to watch and monitor. But in a rainmaker's world, this does not apply because we're in the opportunity business. There's always opportunities and there's zillions and zillions and zillions of them. And we're not stuck in perceived markets. Okay. So it drives me crazy to listen to these authorities declare the end of this and the end of that and the ruination of this and that. And I know on a quantum level, as you do, this is impacting people's ability to attract opportunity. Do you agree with me? Oh, completely. In fact, I would say it's proof of just how powerful we are. You know, once we start believing, oh, there's this big recession. I mean, it's all about perception. It has nothing to do with reality. I mean, there is so much wealth in our world. There is so much abundance. I mean, now, even now, as we say or see a recession or whatever, I mean, but what we're focused on is the recession, is the lack, is the blah, blah, blah. And as long as we're focused on that, that is what we will see. So, you know, sure, we can choose to continue to focus on that. But wow, why not focus on a bigger possibility? So I totally agree with you. I mean, I think it's proof that how powerful we are to manifest because once, you know, they, they started, the media started beating that drum, you know, the recession drum and how bad everything is. Well, of course, you know, if we're going to all start believing that, putting our energy in that, looking for that, 
course we're going to find it. We can find anything we want. So that's why, look what we've created. We're very powerful. We've created that reality. You know, again, when I use the word reality, there's like little R reality and big R reality. I mean, little R reality is looking like, oh, yeah, there's this recession. But that's because that's what we're looking for. That's what we're believing in right now. And that's what I wanted to say to you, which is that for some reason, the negativity sells and it sells big and it gets repeated and repeated and repeated. And so how do people get jobs when a critical mass of people are declaring and believing and holding that jobs are gone and there's nothing out there? I can't tell you how many people say this to me and I say, please do not speak that into my ears. Exactly. Because, you know, Maya Angelou, she... If somebody starts talking negative in her house, she says, out of my house. She literally directs them out of her house. She says, it's like a TB, you know, tuberculosis. It's like a TB germ. She doesn't want to get infected. And she will ask them to leave her house if somebody starts talking that way. And that is how vigilant we should be when these negative people start coming up. I mean, turn the stupid television off or quit looking for that because you can find just as much good. I mean, you can find a whole lot more good than negative if you start looking for it. And so that's what people need to do. It's like, don't listen to a doomsayer. Just ask it to leave your house. It is, it is poisonous to you, you know, to, to listen to that sort of talk. And it's completely crazy and people should not do it. I mean, if they want more of it, they should do it. <laughs> if they don't want more of it, they need to shut it out. Do not listen to that stuff. And the other thing is that it's obvious to me with respect to the economy that most people do not understand the supply side of the economy. And if they did, where the supply really comes from, we wouldn't be allowing this kind of negative talk and the declaration of the negativity over and over and over, which so many people believe. So what you're doing, what I'm about, what others are about, what we are promoting, if you will, for many people who are believing the economic conditions, okay, believing in them, this sounds like airy-fairy, mumbo-jumbo, new age stuff. I want you to address this because it isn't, at a quantum level it is not, but to the ears of people who are believing in this doomsday thing, it is. How do you address that? Well, right. As long as you continue to believe that it's airy-fairy and that it's not true. And that's why I think my book is so important because it doesn't ask you to suspend that belief. Because a lot of people go, right, you said, like you said, it's airy-fairy, mumbo-jumbo. All I'm asking, you know, in the case of, you know, your, your viewers today or your listeners today is one week. Can you suspend judgment for one week and say, hey, this could be possible. These are the five things I'm going to find. Um, give it a try. You know, yeah, maybe it is very fair. You know, fine. You can believe that. And as long as you believe that, that's what you're going to get. You get exactly what you're looking for. You get exactly what you expect. That is your truth. You set it into concrete. Whatever you believe, you get it. Back, mirror image, whatever you want to believe. So I think this book is important because it may be people that do think it's airy-fairy will be willing. It's like, okay, what does it hurt? You know, heck, I'll try it for, and the, in fact, the experiments in the book are about, like I said, 48 hours. So, okay, I'll try it for 48 hours. You know, what, what do I have to lose? You know, it's like, why not? 48 hours, I'll, I'll try to suspend judgment for that. So you start with that and you go, wow, and people are just shocked. It's like, wow, this stuff works. I mean, you know, they have one, you know, great manifestation. They have one thing happen. So then it opens their mind just a little bit more and then they'll try the next thing. It's like, oh, wow, that works. So it's a way of kind of slowly opening the door to people who, you know, want to say mumbo-jumbo. And if I say they want to say airy-fairy, let them say it, and then that, they're going to continue to get that. I mean, I think what you and I are trying to do and people that believe this, it's like, okay, we cannot fight against that onslaught of negativity and that belief that so many people have. But what we can do is make something better. We can create something better. And then eventually people go, wow, I want that, you know, and then they can have it. I mean, they can have the better as well if they can see it, if they can believe it, if they can expect it. So, you know, we, I don't fight the tide. I don't, you know, people want to believe it. That's fine. Let them believe it. But I'm creating something much better, something much more exciting and fun and expanding. And that's what I think people will want. And I think that's what you're doing too. You know, it's like, okay, we don't listen to that. And we're creating what we want, what we're focusing on. And I think other people are going to eventually give up that negative and they're not going to listen to that crazy stuff. And they're going to know that by listening to it, they're simply setting it in concrete. You know, it's like, listen to the, listen to the thing you want. Listen to the thing that's possible. Believe, give it a try. Try it for 48 hours. Try it for this week. You know, give it a try. Can you find those five things? Can you manifest those five things? Just, you know, 
try it for one week, seven days. What does it hurt? I'm going to share a piece of complexity with you now. Okay. And I'm going to, with your permission, I'm going to ask you to respond to this, okay? It involves manifestation and it has to do with an interview I did. I did an interview with Dave Krieger who wrote the book Clouded Titles. He found out that approximately 70 million homes in America or properties may have been securitized and that the people whose names are on the title may not own their own homes. There is a chain of title that's been separated from the note. So this is a very complex thing, but there is a revelation that the real estate industry, that the housing industry, Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae have created an entity called MERS and MERS has come in and securitized the back end of contracts for the housing industry, okay? Mm-hmm. So 99.9% of people that buy a property don't know this and don't read the fine print that at a certain section of their contract, the banks can securitize this property. I was in shock when I heard about this. Shock in the sense that the manifestation of the fallout of what this could do and what this means to people that own properties in America is huge. So I invited him on. And instead of doing ranting and raving about how bad the entities are and the people that are that created this and did this, I invited Ellen Brown, who wrote the book Web of Debt, who's a JD. And I said, could you please come on the show and go to work on what we can do now? So Dave Krieger came on first introducing it. What can we do now? What can homeowners do? So the whole show was first about revealing what happened, where you can find it, what you can do, and how to secure the ground of your property. It wasn't a show about how bad the entities were. It was bad news in the sense that if you didn't know it, you may find out when you go to sell your home. So the collateral damage to the housing industry is huge. But for people who want to be in front of it, who want to buy property, this is fantastic because they now can find out before they buy properties if their title is clouded and if that property has been securitized by 35 investors or more. So this was a good thing, but it's a mixed thing. So the call for me in stewarding the show was to hold a light in this so that the best could come out of Dave Krieger and the best could come out of Ellen Brown. And together, we help the people that are listening. If this were carried by a big network, This would be purely a slam thing on MERS and how bad it is and how doomed the situation is. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So even when you have to share something that's not good and not easy and very difficult to share with the public, it can still be done in an empowering way. In terms of manifesting in this particular role that I have, the question is, how do you share it? How do you bring it forth? Because how you bring it forth is very important to how it's received if people are stabilized when they're hearing it. So my intention was for people to be empowered, poised, stabilized, and to get help before, during, and after revelation of this. You see what I'm saying? Uh And it makes a huge difference. My question to you is when you have to bring something forth to an individual or to a group that is complex, difficult to hear, not easy, You know, you still have to deal with life's day-to-day and things that go on. And in the world of business and law contracts, that's the devil in the details stuff, right? So what is your take on that? Well, one thing, again, I like to focus on the positive. And, okay, I'm a reporter for People Magazine. And because I live in the Midwest, I often get sent to these disasters, you know, tornadoes of Joplin. I mean, all kinds of, you know, flooding in the Midwest, things that happen like that. So, okay, so this is a disaster, a hurricane. I mean, something horrible happens. So I go there. Time after time, the love I find there, the generosity of people I find there, it's shocking. And, of course, yes, they usually focus on the disaster, but always. I mean, invariably, if ever I'm sent to cover something negative, you know, in quote marks, what I find instead are just, I mean, people are amazing and people are so loving and kind and generous. And that's what I find. That's what I see. And so, you know, maybe, you know, in some big picture, maybe that's why the negative happens. So we can see that other side of things. And I mean, I want that covered more and more and more, you know, the, the yeah. positive stuff, this, this yes. amazing generosity and love that comes up. I mean, anytime something bad happens, I mean, just the other side is so much more apparent. I mean, it's like, 
you know, 99% compared to the 1%, you know, of that disaster or whatever. So, so yeah, the good news is all out there. I mean, and, and the positives. And so what you're doing is fantastic. I mean, it's like, yeah, okay, this could, this could happen, but what's the side effect? What's the positive side effect? And the positive side effects are, are so much bigger than, you know, the, the initial thing that happened. And again, that's what we want to focus on. It's all about what do we want to focus on? Where do we want to put our energy? Where we put our energy is what we create. Once you know this difficult piece of information and what happened, the good side is that when you actually go to buy your property, you can actually finally secure it. Mm-hmm. That's the good side. That this will change the whole real estate industry. This is going to change how title companies work because there's an incomplete piece in the due diligence that hasn't been done. A friend of mine who I've known since I was 16 years old just called me last week, and she was about to do a short sale. I said, "Hold it." <laughs> I said, you've got to listen to this. Make sure you can secure your home. And I shared with her what she needed to know. And now when she goes to buy her home, she can actually secure it. Whereas before she wouldn't have been able to secure her home as being hers. And so that's the good side. But that's an ex- always good to be found. Always. I mean, that's what we want to look for. That's our goal. Start looking for that. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about what your travels have brought you in the last three years? Talk a little bit about some of those travels. I know that you've been doing a ton of traveling. Oh, wow. Um, well, I mean, just meeting new people. I mean, what they brought me, just meeting the people, having amazing time, um, experiencing, I mean, all kinds of amazing manifestations, if you want to, you know, couch it in those terms. But um I don't know. They've just been been fabulous. I've you know been able to. I've been to many many countries. I've been to every continent other than Antarctica. Although that I think is next on the hit parade. Is going to Antarctica. But anyway, um, yeah, just just fabulous travel. Um, I, I love it. I I enjoy it, and I you know write about it constantly. I you know keep up with my uh, George Clooney slept here blog. And now, what is that about? George Clooney slept here. Well, it's sort of a takeoff on George Washington slept here, and it's basically luxury travel. You know, it's um, not that it's a celebrity blog, although I sometimes you know write about hotels where celebrities stayed because you know if you think about it, they've got the money to travel in style. So I tend to you know write and about the places that they go. So that's basically what that blog is about. But it's sort of just an avenue for me to write about my travel. And it's, boy, people love to read about celebrities. It's kind of, <laughs> kind of amazing how, how, many, how much of an audience I've developed, you know, by just calling it George Clooney Slept Here. But it's, um, it's not about celebrities per se. It's about luxury travel. It's about the kind of places that celebrities stay, you know, the kind of travel that they do. Have you had a chance to meet George Clooney yet? I have not. That's, um, yeah, I think I'll try to manifest that. I think I will. That, thank you for <laughs> suggesting that. <laughs> My accountant is his accountant. Oh, is that right? <laughs> oh, well, hey, I could, you know, that, what do they say about six degrees of separation? I yeah. guess um, I could probably meet him through you. <laughs> through your accountant anyway. That's funny. <laughs> My accountant wouldn't broker that. But anyway, it's a funny life. Is there anything else you'd like to share with the audience today? Just about how important I think this topic is. And I think people, you know, maybe kind of poo-poo it at times and think, oh, well, that's just, but it's, it, it's everything. It really is everything. How you perceive life and how you, what you choose to look for is everything. It, it makes the entire difference in your life. It's what you, it's, you know, it's the life you're going to create by what you choose to see. So it's just, it's just so important. I mean, you know, it's important to know that this, how this stuff works and to know that, you know, at any time, no matter, it doesn't matter where you are. I, I heard a quote yesterday from J.K. Rowling. It says, you know, rock bottom is the foundation on which I build my life. You know, it doesn't matter where you are in life by simply looking up, by simply looking, you know, for the, the possibilities, you know, you can unfold just about anything, but you have to be willing to, you know, give it a try. So basically, I just would like to let people know how important this stuff really is. So I think that would be my final nugget of wisdom. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Did you know that approximately 65,000 of the 70,000 chemicals that have been dumped into the environment are considered to be highly toxic? That we are ingesting those toxins through the air, the water, and the food supply? And that no matter how much you eat organic food and drink the best, purest water, we all have to detoxify from these chemicals that we're being bombarded with. We're also being bombarded with something invisible. 
the radiation fallout from Fukushima, one of the worst man-made environmental disasters humanity has seen since Chernobyl. In combination with the BP oil spill, the fact is that we have to detoxify our bodies of toxins and of the radiation. But how do you do that? You do that with rock-powdered zeolite. Zeolite is the most effective mineral you can take to detoxify your body. Zeolite has been used to treat Chernobyl victims, the land and agriculture. It's been very effective. It's also given to animals to detoxify as well. If you are interested in establishing a prevention program and detoxifying your body, go to etszeolite.com or call Hank Heister at 818-707-0468. And if you tell him it's rainmaking time, you will get free shipping for the product that you order. Call Hank Heister at 818-707-0468 and order your Zeolite today. And back to the show. Now at PamGrout.com, it says Pam Grout is a world traveler, a loving mother, a best-selling author, a millionaire, and an inspiring witness to everyone she meets. Are you a millionaire? If you continue to read it, so that last one has yet to manifest, but I'm, I'm, I'm working on that one. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to say, well, yes, I am. I, I, see it, I see it in my mind's eye, and that's, that's where it all began. So, mm-hmm. yes, I am. I had an acquaintance of mine years ago that was walking around saying that she was married to a billionaire husband. And she says, I'm going to marry a billionaire. I mean, this is really wild. I was like, God, why? Why does it have to be a billionaire? I mean, it's just, but she was so emphatic. It's going to be a billionaire. Now she's in equity venture capital. I mean, you know. <laughs> and did she marry a billionaire? I have no idea. I haven't talked to her in years. She's, uh, I bet you she did. Or at least she, or she may have created her own billions. I mean, yeah. you know, because honestly, if that's what she focused on, I just yeah. heard that story about Oprah Winfrey. You know, she said this was her big moment of when she realized this stuff works. She um, read the book, The Color Purple. Right. This is way back when she was still, you know, kind of a small time um, talk show host in Chicago. I mean, her show was gaining popularity, but she was still, you know, relatively small. But she read that book, Color Purple. She loved it so much. I mean, it became the focus of everything she did. And she bought that book for all of her friends. I mean, she loved the color purple. That's all she could think about. Well, lo and behold, she ends up getting cast in the color purple. And again, at that time, she was not Oprah, the Oprah we know today. She was just a small-time talk show host. And she, you know, that's all she could think about. She ends up getting a call from Steven Spielberg's people. She ends up getting in... um, you know, in the movie Color Purple, she had a, a relatively small part, but I mean, she, that was, you know, that was what she saw. And I mean, it happened to her. And I mean, look what happened to her. As she always says, she's, she always knew she was a hit record just waiting to happen. And <laughs> so I think that really, you know, it's just one small example of the, you know, the power of, of, you know, what we focus on. Well, I've been asking people if they want my autograph since I was 15 years old. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I, That's I was a, <laughs> I was a former tournament tennis player, so I'd constantly ask people if they want my autograph. Now it would be worth something to them later. I did this all the time. <laughs> oh, that's fabulous. I'm sure people are selling your autograph probably as we speak. There's probably many of them on eBay. Let's see what happens in the next five years. I have a feeling, you know, yeah. I have a sense of this. So let's yeah. just give the autograph now. That's but you great. are such a pleasure. And one of the things I also really, really love about you is that you have so much fun with everything you do. You are really into bringing joy, like very few people that I know. Well, you know, that's that's the whole point of doing everything. And that's so important. Like, you know, you were mentioned about my writing being fun. Well, I think I'm, I'm covering really important topics, but why make it boring? You know, it's like even an important topic can be written about in a joyous, fun way. So that's one of my big goals is to try to always make things fun and to make, I mean, you know, if you're going to do it, do it with style, do it with fun. So that that's one of my one of my goals. So thank you for recognizing. That. No, definitely. No, it's hard not to recognize. It's definitely difficult not to recognize. And I want to ask you a final tough question before we complete this conversation today, which is Oprah, who founded her own network, own has gone on the record and on the air to say that she never thought it would be so difficult. And mm-hmm. she's had quite a challenge beyond anything she expected. And there's a lot of people out there that want her to fail. And there's a lot of people out there that really want her to succeed with this network. You know, it was pretty brave for her to do this because this is not what she's really trained to do, you know. Uh As it turns out, she never really quit being on the air. I mean, that's why she's doing so many segments herself. She still loves it. And that's really a big part of her calling. So I never thought that would go away. And it's obvious that it's not. But 
What would you say to somebody like her at this point? I mean, I know you respect her and you've had some people even comment who have worked with her how much they love your book. Like John St. Augustine said, I called your publicity guy and told him that if a 47-year-old Midwestern guy found this perhaps the most insightful and on-target book with regard to how it works, then the bestseller list cannot be far behind your journey, message and honesty and humor about the human condition are nothing short of profound. That's the producer for Oprah and Friends, John Augustine. My question to you is with respect to her network, what would be your kind of virtual from far away advice in this struggle that she's having and this huge challenge to really make it popular and a success the way she would like it to be? I don't think it has to be the way we think it should be. I think it has to work the way she envisions it to be. Right. And I think she is definitely creating that. I think perhaps, you know, she wanted a little bit of a challenge. I mean, on some level, I think that she did. And that's why she kind of gave up. I mean, she she was sliding down easy street. I mean, honestly, you know, and she could have kept going exactly the way she was, but she chose to take a bigger challenge. Right. And, you know, again, as you take bigger challenges, there's a little bit of opening your conscience consciousness to that. You have to be, you know, open to that possibility. And I think um, that's what she's doing. And I fully expect her to succeed. I think, um, you know, there's a few bumps along the way, but that's that's just as the consciousness expands. And that's exactly what she's doing. And that's what, what I see. And it's going to happen. So you have complete faith I in, do. in, I really in do. Yeah, what she puts forth and where she's going. Yeah, I really do. That's great. That's great. Well, thank you so much for joining us at It's Rainmaking Time. Ladies and gentlemen, We have been talking with, learning from, and listening to Pam Grout. She is the author of the new book, E-Squared, which will be out in January of 2013, and 15 other books, which you should pick up. Go to Pam Grout, P-A-M-G-R-O-U-T dot com, and drop her a line and pick up her books. And thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much, Kim. It's great fun. I always love talking to you. I love talking to you, too. It's rainmaking time.